This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant. I've got you all the way up to 11 o'clock. And we've got to talk about the Mariners who are the scourge of baseball today. Not just because they took two or three from the Chicago White Sox and because they've been playing really well against first-place teams. Nope, they're also cheaters, at least based off of, well, yesterday's game and some people who want to hyperbolize and perhaps point and look at Hector Santiago as someone who would so dare to disgrace our great national pastime. I'm being a little bit facetious here. The question of today's show, which you can answer 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line, or you can tweet into at Gallant says, should we be angry with Hector Santiago? I got to be honest. I feel like I'm supposed to be. I feel like I'm supposed to look at Hector Santiago and see a guy that was, man, using very poor judgment. I mean, it's not even a week since baseball said that they're actually going to enforce the strict discipline for any baseball player who has the gall to put potions on his hands for better grip. Though That guy will be suspended 10 games. His team will lose that roster spot for those 10 games, which will put the Mariners in a pretty difficult spot given some of the injuries that they have been suffering. So I know there are some people out there that are going to look at Hector Santiago and say, man, this guy, what was he thinking? Or maybe go even further up the totem pole and say, what were the Mariners thinking? But that's, that's not where I'm at. I don't really think it's fair to make Santiago the scapegoat for this, but that's what baseball is going to want. And we're still wondering what's going to happen when the uh, baseball glove, which has been, per John Morosi, transported to New York. We're not sure if it's arrived yet. We're waiting with bated breath to see the, well, trash bag. Law and order. Thank you very much. Law and order. S-G-U, sticky glove unit, S-B-U, sticky balls unit, whatever the case, whatever television show you want to watch, the Mariners are firmly in the middle of it. Are they the protagonist? Are they the antagonist? Will they be found guilty? What will happen? We're not 100% sure yet. All I know is that while some people are outraged about it and other people maybe are rolling their eye, I find the entire thing hilarious. This is the... Paul Gallant, who loves to see chaos in the sport of baseball. But, I mean, how is it not funny? Take a look at the way that the Chicago White Sox broadcast handled the news that Hector Santiago had been ejected from the baseball game because something fishy was going on. Actually, it looks like they're almost putting their finger over the eyelets of the glove. And sometimes you can raise those up and use that to make a mark on the ball that actually enhances the movement so as you can see the authenticator is putting it away it'll be hermetically sealed <laughs> and they will then take a further look at it we have the full chain of custody right in front yep. of us here <laughs> and so we've seen that the glove was transferred people. from santiago to the umpires the umpires to the authenticator and the mariners will be down a player for the next 10 days in our understanding of this in college you're required at some liberal arts schools, and Syracuse is a liberal arts school, to take at least one science. I took forensic science as mine. 
And I copied all of my friend Christina's notes and really put no effort into the class, but still found a way to, you know, basically finagle my way to a B plus, which was all that I necessarily needed. So I'm probably not the person to ask for when it comes to anything, first off, forensic related. Second off, perhaps cheating, seeing as I just made that admission on the air. But I've always gotten a kick out of chain of custody and some of the things that you will see in an actually important criminal case. You know, ones that involve murder, burglary, etc. This is a baseball glove that is being removed and what's funny about this broadcast you hear that you don't really get the same kind of comedic effect imagine seeing a baseball glove be placed in a trash bag and you're hearing that it's hermetically sealed i don't think i've heard hermetically sealed ever in my life outside of maybe in star wars Oh, wait, check that. That was magnetically sealed, the uh, garbage bin that they dove into on Death Star 1. I, I, I was just laughing so hard at the idea of baseball turning this into, wow, the smoking gun. And here's the thing. This is the unfortunate part for Hector Santiago because we heard what Scott Service had to say about what he thinks is going to take place. He believes that this is a mixture of rosin and sweat. Here's Scott Service talking about it after the game. When Hector came off the mound, obviously you guys aren't here. It's it's about 85 to 90% humidity today with the guy sweating. He had rosin um, you know, all over himself. Phil said he thought he had some sticky stuff in his glove. Um, when you put rosin on sweat, it gets sticky. That's why they have a rosin bag back there. So, you know, uh, it, take it from there. It goes, the glove gets sent off, and, you know, we'll see where it goes. But, uh, you know, our guys are doing the right thing. Uh, they're following the rule. Um, the umpires are trying to do the best they can. Um, in a tough situation. He thought he felt something sticky. Rosin does get sticky when you put it on sweat. So um, we'll wait and see what happens. I am glad service brought that up. It is a difficult situation that these umpires are being placed in. And we'll see what actually takes place. Santiago said that he was told that he can't have any rosin on his, I guess, glove side hand. And that's where they found it. Here's the problem for Santiago and service's assessment of everything. Santiago, whether he's innocent or guilty, no matter what, he is going to be baseball's first fall guy here for this giant scandal that baseball feels like is a massive problem for the game. What is the problem actually for? Perhaps the watchability, because pitchers have gotten to a point where they are just so dominant, especially now, this year, where you saw all the no-hitters earlier in the year. Baseball thought to itself, you know what, that memo we sent out in March, it clearly did not have enough power. So they're going to look at Hector Santiago, and it, look, look, it took a week. It took a week for baseball to actually figure out something or see, not even figure out. I, we don't even know what happened, as a couple of texters are pointing out. It took baseball a week to get to the point where they felt like they saw something sticky, saw something fishy. So whatever I think is going to be found here as the glove is transported in a hermetically sealed trash bag up to New York, baseball's going to have to appear like they know what they're doing. And I think Santiago, regardless of what actually is on his glove, what is legal, what isn't legal, I think he is going to be found guilty. Because baseball will look bad if he is not found guilty. If all this pomp and circumstance is just to find out that it was exactly what Scott Service said it was, baseball's not going to let you know that. Baseball wants everyone to believe that they are in firm control here. They are in charge. And they're not. And this is why I will keep saying this. In an ironic way, Rob Manfred is great for baseball. 
he is a lot like Vince McMahon in the WWE. He is a heel, a villain. But he, instead of being some hardo villain, is a completely incompetent villain who stumbles all over himself. And the hilarity and the chaos that he creates for his own sport along the way and the rancor that he draws from both players and managers alike, I think it's great for the game. And while this is going to be a little bit of a black eye for the Mariners, I honestly don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because every team in baseball was doing this to some degree. The Mariners are the first one to get caught. They look a little bit bad if this actually does end up being, um, you know, tested as, hey, too much sticky stuff on the glove. And I think that that's what they're going to find baseball. It's not that big of a deal to me. That's my question for you. Are you mad about this? Should I be mad about this? Should we be mad about this, at least from Santiago's perspective? Should we be mad at Santiago, this darn cheater who is disgracing the game of baseball? 710-710 is the Mac and Jack Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me at Galant says, we'll also talk about the Mariners series victory over the Chicago White Sox. I have not necessarily a hot take, but seeing as I did predict the Mariners would take two or three from the White Sox over the weekend, I got another prediction in store for you that has to do with the Mariners. But first... Let's get to What's Trending with Maura Dooley, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. This hour of the Blogger Lock Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? I'm doing pretty good. Congratulations. Congratulations calling on the, the, the rugby broadcast. You survived. You actually had to go outside on a Sunday in that disgusting heat. I did. I did. Luckily, I got to stay in the shade, unlike the poor Smart. guys that had to play the game. But um, it was still... Ooh, first half, it was hot. Luckily, by the end of the game, there was there was a little bit, a bit of a breeze. But I know it's uh, it's interesting because I know it's not it's not as hot as it gets other places. There's people in Arizona scoffing at us, but I don't know what to tell you. It is still really hot. Here's the difference: I was in Houston, of course, the weekend before this past one, and it was 102 just about every single day and humid. The difference is air conditioning, and yes, places like that have air conditioning everywhere. Right. On Saturday, Stacy Ross and I went to a bar entirely so that we could have air conditioning. <laughs> That's legitimately the only reason we went. We watched we watched some sporting games. We were like, all right, we're just going to stay here as long as we possibly can because our apartments are brutal. And I imagine a lot of you guys are dealing with that right now. So make sure you stay hydrated. And, uh, yeah, be careful jumping in the lake, as we found out this morning. You don't want to jump into too cold water and end up stunning your system and then not being able to swim back to shore. Be careful out there, guys. Yeah. All right, uh, first up in what's trending, something monumental happened today, Paul. Ooh. You know what it is? What what happened? You agreed with Colin Cowherd. That's true. I did. <laughs> so I'm going to play the sound of what you agreed with, and I'll let you explain yourself. The Seahawks are in a little bit of a weird spot. They're becoming the Steelers West. Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame quarterback. Seasons aren't ending good sputtering the Steelers playoff story for the last decades embarrassing the Steelers in the last decade have lost with Tomlin and Big Ben lost to Tebow lost to Bortles Baker Mayfield just dropped 48 on their arse annihilated by Brady beaten by an old Peyton Manning it's embarrassing well since the Seahawks Super Bowl lost in New England seven years ago the Seahawks most recently lost to benched Jared Goff after John Wofford started against them in the playoffs. He's not wrong here. There are some similarities, and I do think that it is important to note that there was basically one quarterback who is making everything look worse for all the other great quarterbacks in the game these days. But the Steelers, where have they been since the late 2000s? 
They have been one of the most talented teams in the NFL. That is for certain over the past decade. What do they have to show for it? Right now, they're still relevant. But for how much longer? Because their quarterback, who gets absolutely smacked around a lot because he holds on to the football very long, a lot like Russell Wilson, he is now at the point where he barely is functional as a quarterback anymore. I do think that the Steelers are an interesting comparison, and the thing that the Seahawks want to avoid being, I don't know that they can avoid being the Steelers. I mean, the playoff highs of the last few years have been a win over the Vikings due to a missed field goal, a win over the Lions, and a win over the Eagles, who had Carson Wentz start the game, but had Josh McCown finish the game. There's no, hey, wow, look at that kind of victory for the Seahawks in the playoffs. And you don't necessarily need to have that. It's about winning and moving on to the next round. But they haven't really been able to do that. And they've lost to teams that I think you could argue are on the same level as them, if not worse. I mean, I think that Cowboys team that they lost to in 2018, that team was on their level. That team that they lost to this past year with the Rams, I don't think there's that much of a difference between the two. The Rams just have a better defense, but not as good of an offense as Seattle. So, as much as I hate to admit it, that comparison, the Seahawks and the Steelers, being relevant teams, but relevant teams that can't quite get to where they're expected to go, I think it's a good one. All right, well, we'll move on to happier memories. Yes. Uh, wide receiver Demarius Thomas announces his retirement after ten, a 10-year career in the NFL, and uh, it, it reminded me that we could play this cut from uh, one of everyone's favorite memories in the Super Bowl where the Seahawks beat the Broncos. Cam Chancellor setting the tone with a huge hit on Demarius Thomas, and here Thomas talked about that hit. My first attempt to catch the ball, well, my first catch, I got depleted. <laughs> I got hit probably from here, about three yards the opposite way. And I, I, I got up quick because I wanted to play like it didn't hurt, but it was hurting bad. <laughs> Did he say anything to you? He didn't say nothing, but you know, he, you know how he get over you and make – you know, the whole defense come over to intimidate you. And I just, I just thought after that hit, the our offense just went flat. <laughs> just went flat. And I, I just kept playing because I was like, man, I never might not, never get this chance again. So I'm going to go out. And I just kept getting hit hard. After, that's the hardest I ever got hit in my whole career. And, I mean, he got smoked in that one. Uh, there, There is something about people from Georgia and the way that they say certain words I love like here they I just love it I have a friend who has a, a Georgian accent and I, I used to live with him for a room in college and I'm not even gonna lie the, the I, I picked up on the accent being a very a fairly impressionable person and found myself talking with a slight southern accent in college when I was going to college at Syracuse because I was around this guy so much my good friend Nick that was an iconic hit Darius Thomas he was a great wide receiver but not one of those great wide receivers who was going to get to the Hall of Fame. His big issue were his hands, but I felt like after the catch, as good as it gets. That's one of the problems in the NFL, though. you got to be a little bit better with the hands. Paul, another little side note to add here. I hadn't seen this yet. Uh, it looks like uh, Julio Rodriguez is headed to the AA Arkansas Travelers after doing well in Everett. Let's go! Yeah. Okay, so now I get to annoy Jerry Depota with questions about Julio Rodriguez. Oh, no. Well, he's, listen, <laughs> Jerry's Jerry's looking forward to that question. That's better and different than a Cal Raleigh or Jared Kelnick question, but we always got to pepper him with one of those. Of course, the Jerry Depoto show every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. 
at 830. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show. 206-421-3776 is how you call, and you can text into 710-710. I am hoping that wherever you are, you are heavily air-conditioned, if it's in your car or if it's at your home. If you're not, okay, well, we can just all, I don't know, let out a little bit of energy and perhaps, oh, wait, that would actually make you sweat. Anyway, listen, you got a thought on Hector Santiago and about... I guess whether or not we should be angry with him, 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in to 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company tax line. Should we be angry with Hector Santiago? Tainted cheater of baseball, at least allegedly right now. We'll give him that due process. It's time for you guys to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be her. 710, 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Hector's glove is tainted now with the umpire's sweat. The umpire never took any precautions like gloves, and who knows what will happen to the glove beforehand. It's a great point. I mean, that's why I am strongly of the belief that baseball has to come to the foregone conclusion that Hector Santiago was doing something illegal. Regardless of what they find, they have to, I think, look like they have control over things. And finally suspending somebody for 10 games, this is not the big fish that they wanted. This would be, I would imagine, if this were if this were a police department in any of the television shows that maybe you watched back in the day. Let's say, how about, how about The Wire? This would be the equivalent of an attempt at a drug bust that only gets a very, very minimal character. So let's say, I don't know, in The Wire, of course, you have, you know, high up on the food chain, you have Stringer, Bell, you have uh, Avon Barksdale. This would be essentially pinning all of the drug charges for one very small bust on one of the kids that's operating on the corners. So they got Wallace. That's essentially what they are potentially doing with Hector Santiago, but they have to make sure that they look tough on Wallace. And if they don't, then it looks like they have no control. And I think baseball cares more about that necessarily than they do about the sanctity of the game. If you're Rob Manfred, you want to appear like you have this thing under wraps. And they very clearly do not, seeing as they are basically learning on the fly with how they take care of this. Text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's. Brewing Company text line. It would have been so much more satisfying for baseball to catch Chris Sale or Clayton Kershaw, one of the big names, instead of some poor schlubs trying to eke out one more year. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I think that's why perhaps they tried to go after Max Scherzer as many times as they did, not just because of Joe Girardi yelling from the dugout, hey, look at Max, hey, look at Max, hey, look at Max, doing it at least three times. 7-10-7-10. On the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. This is how I feel. 710-710. I feel like unless the verdict comes back clean, I won't be able to believe baseball just because they don't want to look bad. And that's the big problem for them right now. Someone believes, and he is not mad with Hector Santiago, that since baseball let power hitters like Barry Bonds and others thrive in the steroid era, it's not fair what they are doing to these pitchers. Well, it is fair from this perspective. Baseball did say that they might crack down on it this year. But baseball likes to send memos. 
let's be honest here. And I suppose that the 2021 equivalent of a memo is an all-staff email. Do you read every single all-staff email that you get? Now, I do, but that's because I'm a little bit obsessive-compulsive with my email inbox, and I don't like to have any unread messages, and I like to organize them and stack them and and things like that. But sometimes you're going to get all-staff emails, and you can see basically from the subject line right away that, yeah, I'm not going to actually click on this and read the contents. I think I got the general gist based off of looking at the subject. I think everyone's perhaps done that at least once or twice in their life. And I would just say from this perspective, this side of things, if baseball sent out a memo saying, yeah, you know, any pitchers out there who might be doctoring balls might come down hard on you, I don't think anyone actually read that email. Because I doubt anyone actually thought, just especially based off of the way that baseball handled the Astros saga, I bet that no one actually believed that they would come down hard. And define coming down hard, it's been a week and they've only been able to find one guy, and it sounds like, Hector Santiago actually has a pretty legitimate case, at least the way that Scott Service framed it to the media. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. We'll ask Michael Bumpus for his thoughts on this next, coming up in the sports pit. Plus, it's a pretty important Seahawks birthday today. How much does he have left in the tank? We'll talk about that, too. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With Paul Gallant. And joining me in the sports pit right now, hopefully very cool somewhere, some way, the one and only Michael Bumpus. Bump, how you doing, man? How you handling the heat? Gallant was good, man. I'm doing all right. You know, I went to uh, the local Walmart and bought me all the portable ACs I could possibly get. Um, all the rooms are pretty cool right now. So we were miserable for a minute, but I think we're okay. How are you doing, man? I am I'm doing all right. I, I ordered one of those little small portable air conditioning units and uh-huh. waiting for that to get here. Probably won't get here knowing my luck until tomorrow. And I'm also trying to figure out how to actually get one of those in-home air conditioning units. My big problem is, and I know no one cares about this, but I'm going to complain about it for just a moment. I have like this massive five-foot tall window in my apartment that goes out so i have nowhere to put this i have nowhere like there's no actual air conditioning unit that will work for my specific kind of apartment so i think i'm just gonna roast a little bit hey hang in there buddy i will got it i will try i will try my best at the very least i didn't have to play a flag football game yesterday which i will actually thank everybody for because that would have been absolutely brutal Uh, speaking of brutal what do you make about the seattle mariners and this situation sticky one that they have on their hands <laughs> Hector Santiago we're not 100% sure what actually took place but he got ejected from yesterday's first game because he had something sticky on his glove I, I, I'm curious as to how you feel about it I guess I don't really care that much maybe I'm supposed to care a little bit more uh, first, I want to say big ups to the Mariners for winning that series. I think you yeah, called it, too. You said two out of three. Let's go. Good call for Mr. Paul Gallant. Um, as far as the sticky substances, we're, you're still allowed ro- uh, rosin, rosin. How you say it? Rosin, rosin, yeah. You're still allowed rosin, right? And, and that's what he's saying that he was using. At this point, it's almost like these umps are just dying to find somebody cheating. They're like, oh, my God, can I be the first guy <laughs> to catch a pitcher cheating? And then it's like, how do they know what that is? I mean, does it is it? Are there other substances that look like rosin? I mean, there's just so many questions when it comes to it. It was a sticky substance. They had to address it. Uh, I just hope they get it right. But 
who knows if they get it right? What if they're just like, you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna say it was an illegal substance, so we look good, and we don't have to come back and apologize. We all know how these leagues are when it comes to admitting faults and coming back and apologizing and saying they did wrong. It's just weird, man. It's gonna keep happening. Umps are gonna keep checking these pictures, and if these guys aren't using for our substances they're not supposed to use, then they need to come out and apologize if they are found that they're wrong. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. I suppose we should give Hector Santiago a, a fair chance here, but I'm having a hard time believing that baseball's, man, unbelievably stringent, detailed chain of custody that involves putting the glove in a trash bag that you could put underneath <laughs> your kitchen sink. I'm having a hard time believing that they're actually going to keep, I guess, that chain of custody pure. Bump, yesterday was Bobby Wagner's 31st birthday. Yep. As he continues to try and maintain his level as one of the best NFL linebackers. I'm curious as to how you feel about him going into this season. It'll be, it looks like at least right now, perhaps his first season without K.J. Wright, which I imagine would have some sort of effect. You would think so, because that, that linebacker position, um, when you can look to your left and your right and you can trust the guy, you know that he's going to set the edge, he's going to fill the gap. Um, you don't have to, I guess, pick up his slack when it comes to just – situational football and I am interested to see how he plays I know people were kind of upset upset with Bobby because he's not this 26 year old who's just gonna stick his face into every tackle and take on this guard and just smash into people I mean that's just not how you survive in the NFL you got to be a little smarter and that's what I think we see out of Bobby Bobby's a smarter football player than he was when he was younger because father time wins you slow down a bit you're not as quick you're not as strong I feel good about Bobby though man he hasn't put anything out there on film that may makes me say get rid of Bobby there are people in Seattle, outside of Seattle, that are just saying he's not worth the contract that he's playing on right now? Maybe not. But to think that he's not one of the best LBs in the league, that's just crazy to me. So I'm excited to see how Bobby responds to this. You don't have your dog, your right-hand man out there. Now you have to do a bit more teaching and a bit more leading. I want to see what he does. I'm curious. And, and one of the things that you described along the way where maybe he's not as physical as he used to be, I, I just look at K.J. Wright, and K.J. Wright has played perhaps the most physical football of his career the last two years. Now, they were moving him this past season to a position that he hadn't really played before. But there is a part of me that wishes that Bobby could, at the very least, do some of that. And I don't want to make it sound like I am totally dumping on him. While I do have some issues with maybe just how much a linebacker is getting paid, it's more about the actual position and the value of said position than it is about Bobby Wagner. But I do wonder if that is an element of his game, if that's something that as he gets older, that he maybe becomes closer to what we saw out of K.J. Wright the last couple of seasons. Yeah, that's that's just how you that's how you survive in this league, man. I mean, even at the at the receiver spot, you know, if these young guys want to catch the football and lower the shoulder and take on these corners and these safeties, as you get older, as you as you figure out the game and you learn how to survive, you're like, look, I got to limit these hits. I have to limit, you know, the the situations I put my body in where I can I can be hard because end of the day, you want to be available week 17. You want to be available in the playoffs. And I think that's what we see out of Bobby. Now, if you look at Bobby, he still diagnoses plays. He's mm-hmm. still scraping down the line of scrimmage. He's still communicating to guys in the box. Bobby is still a dang good football player. The game has to change. I mean, we change as people. You, know, you holler at me two years ago. There's something <laughs> different about me. So why, why don't people expect 
these guys to change as players. And, and some of the things that you laid out, I mean, they're smart. You do have to sort of manage your snaps. And if you are playing linebacker where it's 60 to 80 snaps a game where you got some massive human being that's trying to flatten you or you're trying to tackle a running back who's perhaps weighing 220 pounds and is putting his shoulder into you, yeah, there are some battles that you're going to have to pick to win and some that you have to maybe say, all right, well, I'm going to approach this at least specific play in a little bit of a different way. I, I, I want to shift over to something else, Bump, where Colin Cowherd had, I think, honestly, a pretty accurate assessment of the Seahawks over the course of, of the last decade where he compared the Seattle Seahawks to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Seahawks are in a little bit of a weird spot. They're becoming the Steelers West hall of fame coach, hall of fame quarterback seasons aren't ending good sputtering the Steelers playoff story for the last decades. Embarrassing the Steelers in the last decade have lost with Tomlin and big Ben lost to Tebow lost to Bortles Baker Mayfield just dropped 48 on their arse annihilated by Brady, beaten by an old Peyton Manning. It's embarrassing. Well, since the Seahawks' Super Bowl lost in New England seven years ago. What do you think about that assessment? Because, Bump, as much as I want to disagree with it, I, I, I do see some of those similarities with the way that things have gone for them of late. Yeah, that's interesting. Man, Cowherd, man, he'll say some things where I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, Same. dog? And then he'll say some <laughs> things where I'm like, you might be on to something, man. He's, he's everywhere. And as I listen to him say that, I'm like, all right, man, so what are the differences? How, how can we separate these Seahawks from the Steelers? And the only thing I would say is that they're getting young talent and they're getting better, right? You look at the DK Metcalfs in this group. They, they got a young receiver over there, a, a true number one receiver. The Steelers still have Juju, but we don't know what's going on there. Another thing that I think is going to save these guys, they have a running back that can get it done. Everyone thought James Conner was going to be the guy once Le'Veon left. That didn't happen over there. So I'm looking at younger talent on the offensive side of the football that I think that's going to help them, but there's some truth to that. For some reason, they haven't been able to get over the hump. And it's almost like that's why I feel like these last two or three years or these next two or three years are so important. That's why when people are like, man, we shouldn't go all in on this player, all in on that player. I'm like, yeah, you should. I mean, how long can you expect a franchise just to continue to win 11, 12 games yeah. every single year. I mean, that that just doesn't happen. You look around the league, there are only a few organizations that can say that. The Seahawks, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they throw the New England Patriots in there. Everyone else is kind of ups and downs. So ride this wave. I see the similarities, but I think that Russell Wilson is just a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger right now. I think DK is better than Juju Smith-Schuster right now, and I think they have a better running back. And now you've added Jamal. So there are pieces in place right now for them to go. These last couple years, I look at the Steelers, and they never really had, I think, Minka Fitzpatrick was the last one where I'm like, okay, this guy is a, is a game changer. He, he's going to break this game wide open. I don't think they have that. So – that's where I'm going to say the Hawks are different. You look at this roster, offense, on, offense and defense, they have guys that you truly believe in to where I feel like the Steelers are holding on to Ben and saying, Ben, make this work for us, and I don't think he's, he's capable at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think if, if we're going to compare the two, Pittsburgh's five years from where Seattle is right now, yeah. and, and, and the hope is that that five years does not speed up without any victories because that's the big thing with Pittsburgh. A lot of squandered talent during the days of Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger. You, really? You, couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't even get to a Super Bowl? That, to me, is uh, inexcusable for them. But, hey, look at the Seahawks of late. Michael Bumpus, always appreciate you joining me in the sports pit. We'll talk to you in uh, the Wednesday 8 o'clock hour. Stay cool till then, man. All right, Gallant. Take care. 
That is Michael Bumpus, everybody. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Should we be angry with Hector Santiago plus yeah, I predicted that the Mariners were going to take down the White Sox or at least take that series. I got another prediction for you, and it's based off of something really interesting that the Mariners have been able to pull off this year. You'll hear that next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Baseball Paul here. Listen. I was right, you know, no big deal, just a casual flex here, there. I had faith in our beloved Seattle Mariners, and look, they took 2-3 and three this weekend against the Chicago White Sox, though it was a very unconventional series. They deserve a lot of credit for Friday, more than anything. I mean, the entire lineup got hits, and they were, I think, perhaps the best team that... <laughs> Hang on, I can't say it like that. This lineup is what it is, but... To do what they did against Rodon, who, for those who don't know, Carlos Rodon's one of the best pitchers in the American League and is in the midst of yet another great campaign. In the third inning, they had already had the third most runs off him all season. Already. That win on Friday was awesome. Saturday was weird because, of course, you played about two innings of baseball and you had to play the rest of it on Sunday. And yesterday you saw two Taylor Trammell home runs and a Ty France home run win the second game. Then the third game, which was only a seven-inning game, you do have to wonder what happens if that game goes a little bit longer because it did feel like the Mariners had all the momentum. Those last two games were so jonky, though, just because of the fact that both teams had to go deep into their bullpens and figure things out on the fly. I mean the Chicago White Sox started both of their starters, essentially, in that second game. You got Dallas Keuchel, who was supposed to start on Sunday in game number one, and then, of course, you had earlier, um, forgetting the pitcher's name, but uh, a good pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Look, they won two or three, and here's something that I find very compelling and exciting, even, going forward for the Mariners, and it's why I think that they will finish above 500. Yes, you heard it here first on, uh, what is it today, June 28th, 2021. I think the Mariners are going to finish above 500. And here's why. They have played 14 series this year against teams with a winning record. They are, in those series, seven series victories, five series defeats, two series splits. That's enough of a sample size where you can say that's a trend. They play well against good teams. Are they going to, for the most part, win all of their games against those good teams? No. They have a bunch of games against the Astros later this year. They have a bunch of games against the A's later this year. And it's totally possible that in those series, things don't go their way. But do you feel like they're not going to be competitive? We've seen them take a series from the Astros already this year. We've seen them take a series from the A's already this year. I'm not predicting playoffs. I do think above 500 is possible. This is back-to-back weekends where they took down first-place teams, swept the Tampa Bay Rays in four games, took two or three from Chicago. Now, Chicago banged up, dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Another injury looked like uh, Jose Abreu got hit on the knee. That looked awful. Really looked serious. But still give the team credit. I mean, the Mariners are dealing with just as many injuries, if not more. So that's my bold take coming out of this weekend. This team, I think, is going to finish above five hundred because they're playing well against good teams. And, yeah, you could say it's a fluke, it's an anomaly. I don't know if you can say that after 14 series this season against teams that have, right now, an above 500 record. I don't think you can say that a 7, 
five and two splits record is flukish. Like that's that's impressive. Just give them some credit for that. And they're doing it because of their defense. How about that catch that Mitch Hanniger had against the netting? How about that catch Taylor Trammell had? They're doing it because of their starting pitching. And while there are some issues in their bullpen, of course, whether it's, you know, our guy, Hector Santiago or Rafael Montero. I mean, there are issues, no doubt about it. But, man, this 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 team I do think has the possibility to go above 500. And there's still some guys that you are hoping will return this season. I'm not expecting much out of Evan White, but is Jared Kelnick going to come up? Is Cal Raleigh going to come up at some point? They don't need him at this point. So there we go. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. And the question of today's show, should we be angry with Hector Santiago? Let's get to some of your responses. We should only be angry with Hector Santiago if he actually did something wrong and broke the rules. For now, we give him the benefit of the doubt and take him at his word that it was just Rosen and Sweat. Rosen and Sweat. Not sure why they picked this unknown Mariners pitcher to be the baseball test case for this ridiculous attempt to, I guess, police the game. I... And with that last part, it feels like a very odd fall guy to have. And baseball, I think, has no choice but to say that the results were results that are illegal. Because they're going to look bad if the first glove that gets sent to New York and is tested, they can't come to any conclusive evidence on it. Some texts, 710-710. I'm not mad. This story... Seems plausible. Hopefully he's exonerated. But if baseball finds another substance and it's not just rosin, then hell yes. If it is just rosin, though, and it's sweat, they're going to have a hard time explaining that away. And I honestly wonder if they're, how transparent they will be. Is baseball going to show us all of the substances that had been tested for? And how capable are they of testing for these substances? And by the way, let's not forget... They put this in a, pl- in, a, in a trash bag, and the guy who handled the actual glove, he wasn't wearing any gloves. It's a hot day in Chicago. He's sitting outside in the stands. That dude's sweaty. He touches the glove. In some way, shape, or form, his hands contaminated that glove, much like the umpire's hands contaminated that glove. Guys who are standing out on a baseball field wearing, you know, dark clothing who are likely sweating as well. So the chain of custody here. I think it's an embarrassment. I think they totally screwed that side of it up. And I feel like if you were any defense attorney, you don't need to be better call Saul here to actually win this case. You could be, you know, you could be the overworked, poor public defender who is showing up for the case and doesn't even know what the heck the case is. And all you have to say is, oh, wow, look at that. Like, there's, pretty, there's a pretty easy way, I think, to pull the rug out from underneath baseball's case here. And that's what's so great about baseball. They, they find ways to be incompetent. Here's a text. Angry, no. What I am, though, is frustrated and disappointed after listening to him and Scott Service talking about the incident. The rule states that you cannot put rosin on the glove hand. If that's the rule, I'm disappointed and frustrated that not only did the picture not know this, but for the coach to sit there in an interview and say that they are doing everything right is a complete lie. That is what I hold them accountable for. Know your rules and abide by them. Was it actually rosin? On the glove. We'll find the answer to that. It feels like they found a specific part on the glove. Inside the glove. That was extra sticky. And why would that be the case? 
I do think it's possible that rosin got on both of his arms. If, if you've ever seen those rosin bags that they have out there, it's not exactly like they are the most uh, you know, exact things. When you put that in your hand or you put that on, you know, when you shake it around, there's stuff that's coming out all the time. It's just a bag essentially of, what, powder, right? So, I mean, that could easily get on your left arm. But how much? How much actually got on his left arm? And did it all seep, like, through sweat into the glove and, like, just pull itself in this one specific area? My goodness, it's gross the way that we're even talking about this. More and more is making some faces back there. I We started out with umpires running their hands through sweaty hair last week. And <laughs> this is all just getting too personal. I kind of like it, though. And it's fun to watch baseball flounder. I really enjoy that side of it. It's at least entertaining to me. So we'll see what happens with Hector Santiago. But the, the glove has been hermetically sealed and brought up to New York City. <laughs> this is hilarious. Hope you guys enjoyed today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show, which, of course, you can text in. You can tweet in to the texters and to the tweeters. Thank you very much to Michael Bumpus, who stopped by earlier, and, of course, to Maura Dooley, who makes this thing happen every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy are next.